Welcome to the Medicinity Podcast. I'm Imogen, a college student based in the Southwest, here to bring you the best people with knowledge and insight on how to get into med school, how to become a doctor, and to help you decide whether a career in and around medicine is for you. I'm here today with Muntaha, who is currently studying medicine at Imperial College London and is also the president of the medical school student union there, but we'll hear more about that later. Welcome to the Medicinity Podcast, Muntaha. It's great to have you on here. Great, thanks for, thanks for having me in. No worries, that's great. So, firstly, you're studying medicine at Imperial College London. Why did you choose Imperial as the uni you wanted to go to? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think that, obviously, I did a lot of research before applying. I went to open days. I went to a lot of different universities. I think the one thing that always kind of drew me towards Imperial was I guess firstly being in London and secondly just the university itself. I think that um, Imperial is a really well-balanced university um, so obviously academically it's really really strong, it's one of the top leading places for research, it's obviously got a great reputation um, and you know you get lectures and you get taught by some uh, leading experts in their field so you've got that kind of academic um, stability but that's also really well balanced with the kind of day-to-day -day life and what I really loved about Imperial is that they really encourage a really strong work-life balance so for example you get Wednesday afternoons off where you're encouraged to take part in clubs and societies our students unions are really strong so many different clubs and societies to take part in obviously being a medical student within London itself is really really great so for me, it was always that balance. I think that sometimes universities can be really, really strong academically, but that kind of day-to-day -day life, that work-life balance can be a bit more compromised. And obviously there's universities on the flip side where um, you know, socially they're really fantastic and they're a really great environment to, to be a student in, but sometimes the academic side and the course can suffer a little bit. So yeah. I just think it's, it's really well balanced in that way. That's great. That's amazing. So in the Wednesday evenings um, and the Wednesday afternoons, obviously you're the president of the student union, but do you get involved in any other clubs? Yeah, so so I, I was the president, um, I think, um, two years ago now, um, and I'm still very much involved with the SU. I still, um, you know, I'm one of the academic reps for, for this year and I still love to get involved with that. Um, I also really enjoy cricket and I'm hoping that I'll be able to get a bit more involved in the cricket club this year um, and to be honest you know my Wednesdays are just filled with sort of whatever comes my way I like teaching I, um, I like to get involved with things like OSCE tutoring which is where um, I can basically tutor some people in younger years for some of their practical exams Sometimes I like to give student-led tutorials. There's like a huge amount of peer-to-peer -peer support at Imperial. So we have like dedicated societies um, where older years can teach some of the course content in sort of revision lectures. And yeah, I, I enjoy doing that quite a lot. And yeah, like I say, sometimes it's just going out with friends or just taking a bit of time to myself at home. Um, I got Disney Plus recently and so I've been <laughs> whacking my way through that whenever I get time. Oh, that's great. I like I like that, that they have actual dedicated time just to step back and kind of yeah. take a breather because medicine is obviously quite an intense course. 
yeah so not, not all universities do it but it was something that I always had at sick form and just for it to be like carried over to medical school I wasn't really expecting it but when I heard mm -hmm. about it I was like that's actually really nice because it can get stressful so having that kind of allocated time in the calendars just it's just really nice that's that's really good that's amazing and so Imperial is a BMAT uni am I right yep yeah so do you have any advice to anyone at my stage who might be studying for the BMAT? Yeah, so the BMAT exam is, firstly, I wouldn't worry about it too early on. Okay. I would kind of wait until, so, so from what I remember, the kind of UK CAT, what's now known as the UCAT, kind of happens over the summer. A lot of people sit it in July, sit it in August, and I'd recommend kind of focusing on that. And then when you start to get to about September time, which is sort of, I guess, where we are now, that's when the BMAT starts to become a bit more real. It, it's kind of in October. Um, and I think that it's a little bit different to the UCAT from what I remember, because there are certain bits that you can actually revise for. Section two is a science section. And whereas with the UCAT, it's very much more of an aptitude test. It's based on skills. Right. Um, I think that there's more kind of factual content that you can learn and you can get better through practice. So I remember what I did was um, for my A-levels, I didn't do physics and I always hated physics at GCSE and I always loved biology. I loved chemistry. I kind of enjoyed maths. Mm -hmm. So I made sure that the bits I started revising first was things like physics which I absolutely hated and I did that properly and I got that out of the way first um, and then it meant that then I could move on to learning some of the maths kinds of content and just filling in the kind of stuff I hadn't covered since GCSE I mean things like chemistry and biology because I was doing that at A level anyway I enjoyed it I didn't actually need to revise that at all I already had that knowledge there so I ended up putting a lot of work into physics because I hadn't done maths since GCSE. I never really liked it. Maths, again, the kinds of questions that came up were the really top level GCSE questions, if not first year of A-level kinds of questions. So I had to put a bit of work into that. And then biology and chemistry, I just did practice questions to get used to the kinds of topics that come up. Um, and it's a sort of similar situation for section one and section three section one being where you're kind of asked more problem solving type questions. And the only way you can really get good at that is by doing loads and loads of practice questions, doing as many of the past papers as you can. And when you do that, you'll start to recognize patterns, for the sorts of questions that come up, you'll start to find little shortcuts. Um, and then section three is the essay question. And again, it's a bit more difficult to prepare for because you don't know what kind of essay you're going mm -hmm. to get on the day. Um, but I'd always say just go for on the day the one that you feel most comfortable answering. It doesn't have to be the medical question. I think that there's always a question dedicated for vets, for example, about animals. And I think in my BMAT, I remember going for that one because it was the one I felt most comfortable answering. And the people that market don't know whether you're applying for medicine or whatever else you're applying for. So just go for the one that you feel most comfortable with. And again, just practice it under time conditions and spend some time planning it and, and developing a structure before you start writing. Because the one sheet of paper that you get is, is all that you have when you, when you write your essay. So those are a couple of the kind of broader tips, I guess. 
Thank you. That's really helpful, actually. That that basically sums it all up, doesn't it? That's that's amazing. Thank you. And so, um, did you do BMAT and UCAT? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, oh wow, that's intense. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole the whole kind of medical admissions process, from what I remember, it always just felt like it was one thing after the next. It just it just felt like it would never end because you do all of your work experience. And then you have to do your personal statement and then it's your UCAT and then you have to do your BMAT and then after your BMAT you have interviews and then you know by that time you know you're kind of into February March and then you've still got to do your A-levels and you've still got to get those good grades to hit the A's and A-stars that you need for the offers but um, it's definitely a long process but it's always best just to take it kind of one step at a time focus on one thing do it well and then when the next hurdle comes round, then you can kind of deal with it as, as you cross that bridge. Right. So one thing at a time, basically, that's that's really helpful, actually, because I think a lot of people, especially wanting to go into things like medicine, they can just put a bit too much pressure on themselves and try and do everything at once. And yeah, that's really valuable, valuable advice. Thank you. And so Imperial, for those who don't know, is in London so how have you found living in London as a student how's how how is it because obviously it's quite busy it's so good <laughs> like genuinely and I'm not just saying it because I'm at Imperial and I want to kind of gas it up but I really enjoy being in London I think it's probably one of the best places in the country to be a student um, so I grew up in Essex just outside of London and the place where I grew up was a really rural kind of place there's not much to do and so I really wanted to go to London. And so when I applied to medical school, I applied to Imperial, I applied to King's, I applied to Bart's, I applied to, you know, very London centric universities mm. because I just wanted to be in a city that has a bit of a buzz. And I think that the great thing about London is there's always something going on. Even if you're not at a place where something's going on, you can very easily get to somewhere else in London because it's so connected. The transport system's amazing. Um, and yeah, like I say, there's, there's, it's just a really vibrant city. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm actually on a placement in High Wycombe, which is a place just outside of London. So one of the things Imperial does is, um, as part of our year six GP placements, they purposely send you to somewhere outside of London so you can experience medicine in a slightly different community different patient populations all of that kind of thing and like it's a really nice place I'm really enjoying the placement I'm enjoying everything that High Wycombe has to offer but I just really want to get back to London because yeah. it just feels a lot more like boring around here there's just less stuff going on and the transport system as well I'm just so used to the London transport system where buses come every minute. There's a tube station, you know, within a kind of 15 minute walk away. It's really easy to get from place to place. And I think in a way I've just become really accustomed to that life. But it's just really it's just really convenient. It's really convenient, really vibrant. And it's just a lot of fun. Wow, that's amazing. That's great that you're so passionate about it and that you love where you where you study and where you live because that's what you want especially when you're there for six years isn't it you you want to enjoy where you live and that's amazing yeah I mean I'm sure people that live in London probably feel the opposite as well I'm sure mm -hmm. that for some people they would want to go to places that are a bit more rural a bit more of a different change in scenery I think part of it might be because I grew up in such a rural place where 
there was literally nothing to do and the transport system is absolutely shocking um in comparison london is just the flip opposite of that which i've just really enjoyed but yeah i mean it's probably i, th I think people have different ideas of what they want what sort of place that they want to live in and obviously for me I really wanted to be in a city maybe for some people they would prefer more more rural places but it's definitely something to think about when you're applying what kind of city what kind of place do you want to be in yes definitely because where I am at the moment is very much where you've come from very rural transport as I said absolutely awful but mm. London that sounds really good nice contrast really really yeah. good there yeah and you mentioned that um you it, for six-year students and not all unis make it six, a six-year course it's usually a five-year course isn't it but imperial is a compulsory integrated degree isn't it you have to do one yeah yeah it is um it's kind of always always been that way um i've got kind of different thoughts on the intercalation to be honest which i'm, I'm kind of happy to share but there's a question I always get asked a lot whenever I'm at open days or just chatting to people interested is kind of what's the value of the intercalation? Do I, you know, did I enjoy it? And I've kind of done my intercalated year, so I've got a bit of a perspective on it. But I, I don't think that it's that deeper thing. I think some people do kind of make it a much bigger thing than it actually is. Um, I think that the intercalation itself, it's, it's nice because you get to experience, you know, a bit of research, you get to spend a bit of time away from a clinical environment in the lab doing, you know, other things. But like, I, I just think that it doesn't have the value that it once did, because in the past, when it came to final year and you would um, kind of submit applications off for where you want to work as an F1 or as an F2 as a junior doctor if you had an intercalated degree you would get some extra points so there was kind of that competitive advantage right and that if you do a BSc you're ranked a bit higher they the people that are in charge of the process have actually removed that from a junior doctor application so it doesn't have that same career advantage Maybe later down the line, as a like after a junior doctor, when you apply to specialty training, it's still some places do still wait having a BSc over not having a BSc. But even that's probably going to change in the next couple of years. And then the other kind of side of things that a lot of people like about intercalated BSCs is more of a kind of skills-based argument that doing a BSc will help you to be a better doctor because you have a better insight into research. You know, you, you do a lot of like critical thinking and critical appraisal and that's helpful and knowing the kind of research base behind certain medications is great. And again, that's true to an extent. And particularly if you're interested in certain fields like, you know, cancer where research is very much part of the specialty, even great. But I think for the most part, I think that's kind of overplayed a little bit. And it's not something that you necessarily need to do at medical school because it's something that you can pick up later if you're interested in it. And, you know, I personally found that actually doing an intercalated BSc took me away from a clinical environment in a way. And I once I experienced, you know, the way Imperial set up as a course is that you do two years of preclinical medicine 
it's very science-based you build up that foundation and then you do a year in, in a kind of clinical environment and then you're pulled out of like the hospitals and the wards to do your BSc and once I experienced that clinical environment in my third year I just loved it so much and I just wanted mm. to do more clinical medicine so then being pulled away from clinical medicine into my BSc and then having to go back into clinical medicine after for my fifth year was just a really odd transition and it's something I kind of struggled with a little bit so there are advantages to to be integrated BSc um, and the way that, that Imperial does it but I think that people do deep it a little bit too much I think in the grand scheme of things it doesn't make a massive difference. Okay um, that's interesting because I every everyone I've spoken to has said oh yeah integration's good so it's good to see a different side to it and that it doesn't actually have any points any weight yeah, as you say yeah. to it anymore I mean if you know that you're interested in a career in research if you know that as a doctor you also want to be doing some more academic type stuff or working in a specialty where research is really important then then great like go for it yeah. But if you're not that interested, I wouldn't base going to a particular medical school because they offer an intercalated BSc compulsory or because they don't. Um, and even in places where they don't, it's if, if later down the line you think, oh, actually, maybe I do want to get involved with research, then you can still often do it optionally at a lot of universities anyway. So, yeah, it's I wouldn't worry about it as a, as a big thing, essentially. Okay, that's that's good to hear. Actually, that's interesting. Thank you for that. And for your integration, you chose Cancer Frontiers. Mm -hmm. And so my question was going to be, how has this helped you develop as a medical student? But I think my question now is, why did you choose that one? Yeah, yeah. No, you've done you've done your research well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I did Cancer Frontiers because cancer's always just been a topic that I've been very interested in. Um, we had some cancer teaching on a lot of the preclinical science in our first two years, and I really enjoyed it. Not everyone did, because some of the cancer stuff we learned about was pretty tough, but mm -hmm. I'm one of the few people where I was like, actually, this is pretty lit. I, I quite enjoy <laughs> this topic. So that was probably a big reason why. And I am potentially interested in going into oncology at some point in the future, um, obviously I'm keeping all of my doors open and you know I haven't kind of firmed it yet but yeah. it's something that I'm interested in so I thought that getting an insight into the research world of cancer is going to be valuable in making sure that I'm still interested in the research side because cancer as a career both the clinical and research are very much intertwined um, and also just because out of all of the options that were available to me, you know, Imperial offers just about every medical specialty under the sun. I think that was just the one that, that appealed to me the most. I thought it would be the most interesting. It's also got a really cool name, you know, Cancer Frontiers. You know, it <laughs> sounds appealing. Yeah, it does. You're right. And it's good that Imperial offers a lot of them because you have, at least you have a bit of choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's also a lot of like non-medical ones that, that people do. So I've got a lot of friends that did business management, for example. And as part of that, they did all sorts of cool projects, making startups and coming up with really new, like, like cool ideas. 
Um, okay. And a lot of them have actually kind of moved forward and they're rolling out their, you know, their apps and their companies and other bits and bobs that they did as part of their BSC project, but actually now taking it further into real life. Um, and I've got another friend who did like bioengineering, which again is such a out there, it's just such a random thing. Um, so it's, it's nice because I guess you can do the medicine side if there's a particular specialty that you're interested in and you want to know more about. But then also if you're like, you know what, I do just want to break from medicine, you can do something like business. So it's totally different. Well, that's nice because then I guess you have a sort of break. I mean, it's not really a break, but at least it's a break from medicine or science if you wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And even if it's even if there's something not offered at Imperial that you're interested in, then you can also go to other universities. So, you know, I have a friend that was interested in sports medicine, for example, and he went off to Bart's for the year to do that and then came back to Imperial. So they are quite flexible, which is good. Yeah, that is good. So now on to the super cool thing that you've done before where you were the president of the medical school student union um so what did this involve and how did you manage to get into that yeah um it's really interesting so in terms of the role itself I guess it's it's kind of this big role where you're in charge of a student's union at Imperial and Imperial's medical school is kind of unique in that it's the only medical school in the country that has its own fully dedicated students union. So a lot of other medical schools will have like a medical society or a medical association. Um, but being a full students union basically means that you cover a massive wide range of, of different parts of the student experience. And the whole point of a students union is just there to make sure that students are having the best time that they possibly can, that their experience is as good as it can. And it covers everything from academic representation, so meeting with the faculty, liaising with them on what changes to the course are needed, what kind of academic issues and support students are facing and what support they need. You know, it covers welfare, making sure that students aren't getting burnt out, running campaigns in order to bring awareness to particular issues. Um, it covers clubs and societies. So um, Imperial, again, through having our own students union, we have, I think, something like over 70 clubs and societies just within the medical school. Um, and obviously oh, wow. you can join the kind of wider Imperial ones, which gives a full range of, I think it's like over 380, something like that. There's societies for literally everything. I mean, everything from you know, all of the sports stuff like rugby, football, cricket, netball, through to things like um, students for global health. There's a lot of volunteering societies where you can make an impact in the local community, nationally, in some cases internationally. Um, a lot of arts clubs like light opera, music, drama, um, and also some really rogue ones like the wider imperial societies. You know, there's like a cheese appreci appreciation society there's like a wine tasting society there's all sorts of <laughs> random random stuff um so anyway so, so the role of, of being the students union president kind of means that you're in charge of the entire committee on the students union and it's a full-time role so it's a full-time job where you literally take a year out of your course 
to be the president of the students union and then once you finish your year which you also get paid for so it, it is literally like a full-time job then you go back into medicine so you kind of drop down a year if that makes sense okay um, yeah and the main kind of responsibilities are firstly your it's it's a very prestigious role right so you're kind of like a figurehead of all of the students at imperial like medical school and you're just in charge of representing them representing their views to the faculty so you sit on all of these big faculty meetings all of these big boards um, you even get to be on some of the big university boards and you also, you know, have to liaise with a lot of external organisations like the BMA, like, um, you know, some of the more like national representative bodies in order to kind of represent the views of imperial students, making sure that certain issues that students are facing um, are being discussed at the right levels and kind of lobbying for change in a way. And then there's also the kind of more internal stuff where you're in charge of the students union, you're in charge of making sure that um, everything's functioning well, that the 21 person committee is well supported, everyone knows what their role is, uh, making sure that, you know, welfare campaigns are happening, that the academic reps are supported in the meetings that they go to, uh, making sure that the societies, the functioning of the societies, their finances, the events that they're running, um, are Kind of moving along at the right pace that there's if there's any problems making sure that those are picked up early and that you can help people and even as far as welfare like welfare support i used to have you know i i did the role in the year of covid so there was a lot of students mm. coming in with problems with their finances problems with their kind of mental health problems with um you know all, all sorts of different things and so it was chatting with those students, making sure that they're directed and signposted to the right places, making sure that they're getting all of the support that they need. Um, and then obviously as a kind of adjunct to that, again, just lobbying and pushing for changes within the medical school, trying to, to push it forwards. So it's a really varied role. And yeah. you kind of have your hands in all different places, all across the student experience, and kind of simply if something is affecting students or if there's any problems that students have or anything that can be done better it falls upon your remit in order to be active in in trying to advance that or solve the issue or improve it whatever it might be so that's a kind of summary of, of the role i guess in terms of how i landed it um it's you know, the role was never something that I set out to do. So I, I was never like a first year medical student thinking, oh man, I really want to be the students union president one day, even when I was in my second or third year. It was never something I actively, you know, had in my head that I want to do this. It was more something that I, you know, gravitated towards me and just kind of came around. So from, from when I was in first year, I was always really involved in a lot of clubs and societies. I was on the committee of a lot of clubs and societies. Um, I was also an academic representative in my first year. So I was representing the student voice of, uh, of my year group, meeting with faculty um, to, to address whatever issues were being faced. And then I guess over my years at Imperial, I kind of climbed the ladder. So 
I went from small on the ground society roles to slightly bigger roles to roles where I was overseeing teams, overseeing other people and other committees. Uh, and then in my third year, I had a role on the students union where I was in charge of the clubs and society finances and a lot of the budgeting stuff that they did. And, you know, after that, I became a president of, of a big society. And I think the where the whole SU president stuff started to come in was actually a lot of my fellow students at Imperial started saying, oh, I think you should go for this role. I think you'd be amazing for this role. I think you should do it. I think that, you know, you've got the right experience. We'd love to see you do it. And so it was a really kind of student-led grassroots type of thing. And so I remember I kind of sat down with the person who was president at the time to find out a bit more about the role, what it involved, what it entailed. Um, and, you know, they also were like, I think you'd be really good for it. And we discussed what it what it involved. And then the way that it's actually elected is that in about February, there's always big elections that are done where any students union roles and any kind of clubs and society roles go up for elections and people can put themselves forward. They can write a manifesto uh, of what they hope to achieve, what they hope to do. And it's, it's kind of like a big spectacle in the calendar where everyone starts campaigning, they put posters up, they chat with fellow students, try to encourage them to, to vote for them. There's like a kind of hustings Q&A where the people who are running for particular roles can, um, I guess, be asked questions and, and kind of chat to people directly. And then it ends up just being an election where every medical school, uh, sorry, every student in the medical school can vote. And, you know, at the end of the period, whoever has the most votes gets the role. So that's kind of a bit about how, it, how it's elected, how I kind of ended up going for it over the years. And I guess a bit about what the role itself involves. Does that kind of answer what, what you were hoping for? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's so cool that you managed to, well, obviously you didn't go in thinking you were going to have that role. And then just after a while getting stuck in with everything, you, you managed to climb the ranks. That's, that's brilliant. And um, so finally, what are your top three tips on how to get to where you are today, how to do what you've done and be so successful? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a big question, and yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting question, right? Because when I when I kind of think about it, like you know, what what's the tips to get to where I am today? I kind of think of myself, and I'm like, you know, I I don't always think of myself as you know, I'm this kind of big person, or I'm I'm someone that that people would necessarily aspire to be, or or whatever. Um, but then I guess when I kind of reflect back to it. I kind of think about how when I was in your position um, and I was applying to medical school, I remember that going to medical school almost ended up becoming, you know, my purpose in life in a way. It was something that I really, really wanted. I remember, you know, really aspiring to want to, to, want to be a medical student. And in fact, I remember I put so much effort in and like I say, I had to jump over all of these hurdles. But when I finally got into medical school, I remember thinking, you know, now what? Like, I'm in, like, I've got everything that I wanted. Um, mm -hmm. like, it, I, like, I literally remember thinking, like, like, I could die now. Like, my life is done. Like, I've, <laughs> I've fulfilled my purpose. I, like, I'm here. This is all that, that I wanted. 
Um, and so obviously as you go through the years, you start to get more career aspirations, more things come up, more kind of dreams and goals come into play. But yeah, I, I guess that if I was to think back, you know, if I was to look, um, you know, if I was to meet myself when I was 16, 17 and see that I've got into medical school and all of the other amazing things I've done, I would probably be, be quite taken aback in a way. Um, I think in terms of like tips, I think firstly, when it comes to medical school applications and actually getting into medical school, again, I think that it's easy to get overwhelmed by the whole process and everything that, that it involves. And my best advice would be, if you know you want to do it, then take it step by step because it is overwhelming. It is a long process and it really will weed out the people that are genuinely dedicated in getting into medical school against the people that are kind of having a punt at it and aren't too sure whether they actually want to do it or even if they're doing it for the wrong reasons because of just the amount of effort it takes. So just take it all step by step. And, you know, it is a lot of effort and it's a lot of work, but when you get into medical school, it is literally everything that you would ever imagine that it would be and so much more. So I think that's the first tip, take, break it down, take things step by step. I think the second tip I'd give is that when it comes to applying, you sometimes might have people that try to put you off and I think it's always useful to listen to what kind of criticism and, and stuff people have. But I think that ultimately the main aim should be to just get a best understanding as possible of the role of what being a doctor's like, of what being a medical student's like. And if you feel like it's right for you, then just absolutely run with it. So I remember when I was in, in your position, um, I started out with this new sick form. And I went to speak with the head of sick form about, you know, medicine. And, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I'm really interested in considering applying to medicine. I want to know a bit more about the application process. Is there someone I could speak to? And I remember the head of sick form um, pointed me to um, the careers guy at our school. And so I remember one lunchtime, I just knocked on his office door. And I kind of went into his office and introduced myself. I'd never met him before. And I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in applying to medicine. Do you have any tips, any advice that you could give me? And he was kind of, you know, just looking down writing and he just stopped, looked up and said, yeah, don't bother. And then just looked down yeah. again and carried on writing. And I remember I was like kind of speechless. I was really taken aback. Um, and then I was like, after like a couple of seconds, I was like, okay, fine, thank you. <laughs> and I was about to excuse myself from, from his office. I turned around just as my hand was kind of on the doorknob about to open the door and leave. He kind of called me back and it was like, yeah, like, come here, sit, sit down, sit down. And then he just proceeded to just talk about how, yeah, like don't bother applying for medicine because every year we have absolutely stellar candidates with the best portfolios that apply to medicine. They don't get in. There's no point doing it. Don't bother. You'll probably just get rejected. And I was just kind of sitting there and in my head, I was like, yeah, like 
fine it's a competitive process it's difficult to get in but someone's got to get in and yeah as long as you go through the right process that you you know you you know what you're getting into you learn about what it's like to be a medical student you do well in your UK cat you practice for your BMAT it's possible to get in and I think that I remember that, that if anything that kind of moment was when I was like okay now I really want to get into medicine mm. and I just want to prove this guy wrong and I you know it served as a massive motivation for me so there may sometimes be people that do try to put you off but just try to look at whatever the criticism is and just make your own mind up if it's something that you're interested in if it's something that you know you want to do then just absolutely do it and you'll surprise yourself that you probably if you're passionate enough you put the work in you will get into medical school and even if you don't then it's not the end of the world many of my friends applied the second time the third time got in later I've got friends that did another degree and then got in via graduate entry I've got friends who decided you know what maybe this isn't for me and they went into other careers um, so I guess that's the second tip and then I guess the third tip I'd give is once you're in medical school I would just absolutely get stuck in um, six years or even five years might feel like a really long amount of time, but it's really not. The time flies really, mm -hmm. really quickly. And you have so many opportunities available to you that you may not have for the rest of your life. So join clubs and societies, get involved with your students union. If there's something that sticks out, something that you're even remotely interested in, then just get stuck in, get as involved as you can, because medical school is not just about the medicine side of things, but actually the stuff that you do outside of the lecture theatre, the stuff that you do on a sports field, the um, work that you do in societies and the skills and communication skills, the chairing meetings, all of that stuff is just as important as the stuff that is going on in the lecture theatres or the dissection labs. And you often learn so much from that. Um, and like I say, a lot of the opportunities that have come my way are not stuff that I've actively sought out. I've just got really stuck in from day one. You know, I was an academic rep. I got involved in clubs and societies. And then I naturally found that as I got more involved, other opportunities just started to gravitate towards me. And, you know, next thing you know, I've gone from being a, a first year as an academic rep as my first role to being the students union president and beyond so just say yes to things that come your way if there's something that's interesting get involved because you might not have the opportunity again you'll learn loads of skills you'll get a great amount of experience other stuff will come your way and I think that at the end of it this, what you take away from medical school is not just the medicine knowledge but it's all of the memories that you make with friends all of the skills that you get involved with and just all of the good and fun times that you have that's brilliant advice thank you I love that last one just get stuck in just say yes to everything you possibly can that's amazing and also the one about um, motivation about how other people can doubt you that was that's an interesting story about how that careers man just said no don't don't bother and it's so true someone's got to get in if you just if you want it enough yeah it will happen yeah. eventually oh, absolutely and it's so common as well you know I speak to I speak to so many you know students and and other people who they know they want to do medicine they know they're interested in it they've got the passion for it 
in some cases, you know, they even have the right experiences, but just one negative person, one person saying, don't bother, you know, if, if they end up trusting them and believing them and going down that path, then it's, it's just a massive shame because some of the people I look at, they absolutely could have been doctors. And if they had pursued down the right path and stuck to it and didn't doubt themselves, then they probably would have been, you know, medical students and later really, really fantastic doctors. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. And it's, it's good that you're giving the advice to people. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Keep going. Keep motivated. I love that. Thank you. And thank you for being here today on the podcast. It's been absolutely great to have you. That's right. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's um, yeah, no, it's it's been a really great experience for me. Hopefully I've shared something that might be at least a little bit insightful or helpful to, to people listening. Oh, definitely, definitely. That you've shared a lot of great light, a lot of insight. Thank you so much. That's all today from the Medicinity podcast. Thank you for listening and join us next week for more insight into life as a medical student at Bristol.